Do you know anyone whose life hasn't changed in the past week because of COVID-19? Not those acting like it hadn't happened, not those that are deniers, but the reality of this virus. So today we start a new sermon series targeted on something that all of us are concerned about when life turns upside down, facing the anxieties of COVID-19 because it's real. And in this situation, we don't need platitudes, we need promises. We don't need memes, we need Jesus. So I'm going to take us to the words of Jesus today in Gospel of John, chapter 14. That'll be our focus. And if you haven't already, you can access these things um, through the Bible app. Looks like that, kind of maroon with gold gilded pages called Version. Maybe you have that. And in the bottom right corner there, there's the more, and you can click on events. And that event will even have the notes here. Granted, if you're watching our Facebook watch party or our Vimeo channel later, uh, the notes will be linked for you as well. But I'll try to keep it simple for us as well. Let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll get into God's Word. Our Father, none of us know what's going to happen. And when we don't know what's going to happen... We get a little worried. It's one thing for us to imagine a virus that's on the other side of the world. And although we feel sympathy for people when things are happening to them and their lives are turned upside down. But it's quite another thing to know that that virus is now in our city. And we don't know if somebody we walk by or something we touch might be the reason we contract it. And the possibility of us sharing it with our friends and our family. And all the things that are related to that. So God, in the midst of this very real pandemic, with all the fears, with all the questions, with all the anxieties we have for our health, for our finances, for our nation, we come before you. And Father, we seek to come before you today in worship as we've sung these songs to you and as we're offering prayer to you. And now that we look in your word, we trust, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you'll speak to us. It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. And everybody said, Amen, right? So I'm not going to ask you to stand in the honor of reading God's Word, since you may be sitting in your home watching it. But if you've got your note sheet there that's in a drop box as well, uh, and it's a PDF and it's got some announcements on there, we see you got four points on your sermon today, if you're taking notes, and then four questions. And the first point on your sermon, uh, as we turn to John 14 and John 13, actually, is the situation, their situation. What they were facing as we open John 14 is a situation of uncertainty. They didn't know what was going to happen. Let me see what Jesus says. If we read John 13 verse 33 we see where Jesus says my children I will be with you only a little longer you will look for me and just as I told the Jews so I tell you now where I'm going you cannot come now Jesus and his disciples had just had the triumphal entry they come into Jerusalem and what we celebrate on Palm Sunday and people are saying Hosanna Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord I mean they're on a high note Jesus has lived this amazing life in front of them and has healed people and has taught with power and authority 
and done incredible things for these three years of his earthly ministry. But now Jesus is bringing them to Jerusalem. And in the midst of this last supper, a Passover meal for them, He's beginning to teach them in a way to say, I'm not going to be here anymore. Here's what to expect when I'm not here. And it's like they quite don't get it yet. You know, the disciples, it seemed like they were always trying to play catch up. Feels kind of like me. I don't know about you. that uh, You're always a step behind. But this time, when Jesus says, I'm only going to be with you a little while longer, if you read on through that passage, they're catching on. Simon Peter says, whoa, Lord, where are you going? How do we know how to get there? And then we come to what we're going to see in just a moment in chapter 14. The end of chapter 14, however, there are a few verses we want to pay attention to. In the end of chapter 14, verses 28 through 31, Jesus says, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will no longer speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the Father, or the, excuse me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Did you hear what Jesus is saying to them? He's saying at the end of chapter 14, so I'm kind of fast-forwarding us. We're going to get to the middle, the main part of chapter 14 here in a moment. He's saying that I'm going to heaven. I'm going back to the Father. You disciples who are with me right now, you're not going to see me anymore. It's difficult for us as humans to take the focus off of ourselves. By our nature, our flesh, our sin nature, we are selfish. Yet God calls us to look at the world through His eyes, filter it through His Word, and by His Spirit. And Jesus is pointing them there now. In verse 29, He says, I've told you now before it happens. How do you know who a prophet is? Because what the prophet says comes true. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you now I'm going and you won't believe it until it happens, but I'm about to go. And then it does. Verse 30, he speaks of Satan, the devil. He calls him the prince of this world. But he reminds us he has no power or no hold. It's pretty cool that in the Greek, literally, it says, in me he has nothing. When we look at our world today, and we know that COVID-19 is real, and it's a natural phenomenon. It's a virus. There's viruses and bacteria and stuff that can make us sick everywhere. But we see how this is spread in a pandemic. Some folks might see that Satan is behind that. That very well may be true. But we need to remember what Scripture says. He's got nothing on Jesus. No power over Jesus. And so when we come today, and when we open our word... And we see Jesus speaking in John chapter 14 to the disciples. We see that their situation with Jesus was one of uncertainty, just as our situation today is. So your first application question is, how do I tend to handle or react to the unknown? Well, it depends on the person. It depends on the situation, right? It might be your personality. It might be your risk or the proximity or the reality of the danger. Uh, I don't have to worry, like I said in my prayer, if the disease is on the other side of the world. But if the disease is right here in my city and somebody walks by me and coughs or sneezes, 
I might be a little more worried. I might be worried about the surfaces I can touch because they're not quite sure how long COVID-19 lasts on a surface, anywhere from a few hours to a few days, depending on the surface. So we've heard these repeated phrases these days, like an unprecedented situation and an abundance of caution, and those things are real. We've also learned some new phrases, social distancing. That's why we're here in a church with like eight people this morning. And shelter in place. That's why most of us, if we can, are staying home. And we should. Because when you're there at home, the virus can't get in. It only comes in when you bring it in. So here we are in the midst of the unknown. How do we handle it? Well, that brings us to our second point on your outline. Your second major point on your outline is from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. And it's their reminder from Jesus. Their reminder from Jesus is one word. Trust. Trust. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Can I get an amen? Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you so. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now, verses 2, 3, and 4 there, Jesus is talking about heaven. He's saying that he is going to leave them after that last supper, what we know as the Lord's Supper. And we know he was going to be crucified. He's going to be buried for three days and he's going to rise again and he's going to go to heaven. He'll come back for those of us who have trusted him as his Savior and Lord someday to take us to be with him also. He says that right here. But we want to focus on verse 1. Look at what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. In the Greek, it's interesting the way this reads. It literally says, do not let your heart shudder. Have you ever shuddered with fear? You know, something is so creepy, so fearful, you just can't stand still. Jesus used the same word of how he felt when Judas denied him and left Just a few verses earlier in John chapter 13, verse 21. But Jesus is saying to us, no matter what our uncertainty, no matter how freaked out we are, even if we're to the point of fear that we're shaking, don't let our hearts shudder. And he tells us why in the end of verse 1. John 14, 1, the latter part. Trust in God, trust also in me. The Greek is a perfect tense. It's something that you started in the past and you continue to do in the future. What Jesus is saying is keep on believing in me. Keep on trusting in me. Don't stop. I know you did it in the past. Keep on doing it in the future. So when we are faced with uncertainty and when we have questions, what do we do? We trust Jesus. How do we do it? We keep on trusting Jesus. Thanks be to God for what Jesus reminded his disciples here in this Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, and what he's reminding us today in the midst of all the uncertainty of COVID-19 that we can trust in him, which leads us to our second question on your outline. Why would Jesus encourage me to have faith? Why? Why is the most important question, right? We've got what, we've got where, we've got how, we've got when. But why is an existential question. It's about our existence. It's about the reality of who we are. Here's why Jesus would tell us to have faith, I think. 
knowing what his disciples were about to face after three years with him, his power, his authority, his leadership, his love, his guidance, they were going to be without him physically. And they weren't going to know what to do. They didn't know what they were facing. We're the same way, right? This is unprecedented territory. We don't know how long we're going to have to be in groups of 10 or less. We don't know if any other more extreme measures than this are going to happen, like we see in other cities in the United States or places around the world. We don't know if we could get it or someone we know could get it. We don't know if we're going to be one to be quarantined. We don't know if we're going to be hospitalized. We don't know if we might die. But we do know Jesus. And what does he encourage us to? Faith. Faith is the essential ingredient of the entire life of a Christ follower. That your faith is a conduit, a pipe, if you will, to God's grace. When you say, God, even though I don't know everything that's going on in this situation in this world, and even though it makes me shudder, and even though I am worried, God, I have faith in you to take care of me and those that I love. And that nothing will happen in my life that you don't either cause or allow. Because God, you are sovereign. God, you are omnipotent. God, you are omniscient. And you, above all things, God, are loving. And because you love me, I can keep on trusting in you. Remember, Jesus said, trust in me. And he said, keep on trusting in you. Which leads us to our third point on your outline. Your third point is their eternity with Jesus. Now, Jesus was talking about going to heaven, and he's promising them that they're going to be there. And we're not going to read the entirety of verses 5 through 14, just two verses right here. Uh, John 14, 5 and 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you hear that? It's one of the most quoted scriptures in the entire world. John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father through me. Jesus is saying, when your heart is troubled, when you have anxiety, when you have fear, when you have worry, when the world around you is falling falling down or turned upside down, what do you do? You trust in me. Why do you trust in me? Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. What comforting words for us. But think about the context. What did Jesus know was about to happen? He knew this would be the last time that he would observe the Lord's Supper or Passover meal at that time, excuse me, with his disciples. That he was about to be arrested tortured, crucified, and literally die a real death. And Jesus himself is saying to them, knowing what's coming in his life, that you can trust in me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Keep trusting in me, Jesus said. And he tells them as it unfolds through verse 7 through 14 about eternity, about heaven, And if you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, you too have that guarantee that you will be in heaven. And I know if you're like me, you don't want to go to heaven yet. Whether it's COVID-19 or anything else, you're like me. You probably have a lot you want to live for, your family, your friends, things you want to accomplish in your life. 
But the point is, you don't have to be anxious about it. This third point, their eternity with Jesus that was guaranteed, raises a question for us. And our third question, have I committed my life to follow Jesus? You've got to answer that question personally. It's not your mom or your dad that may have taken you to some ceremony in church when you were a child and you were baptized before you know it and your church says you're a Christian. That's not what you see in Scripture. What you see in Scripture is people that are old enough to understand their own personal responsibility and that they have sinned and broken God's law and they realize that they need to admit to God that they're a sinner Believe that Jesus is God's son and confess Jesus is their personal Savior and Lord. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. That gives you the guarantee of eternal life in heaven and abundant life here on earth. And all of us can do that. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, God loves you and he extends this opportunity to you to trust him as your personal Savior and Lord. If you're watching this on video and maybe you need to know more about that, Write me a note, Aaron at SouthviewBaptist.org. Send me an email. Make a comment below. We'll reply. No matter who you are, no matter what, we want to help you have a personal relationship with Jesus. As we move on in our text, we see the fourth and final point. Remember that Jesus said to them, keep on trusting me. But the fourth and final point on your outline is their gift from Jesus. And their gift from Jesus we see in a few verses later in John chapter 14. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And in verse 17, he says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives in you, with you, and will be in you. Did you hear what Jesus said there? He says, I'm going to ask the father, God, the father, and he's going to give you another counselor. In other words, God's a counselor. I'm a counselor, but just like him, I'm going to give you a spirit. Jesus had a physical body and though he could do supernatural things, he was limited while on earth by his physical body. He can only be in one place at one time, but he's giving us the Holy Spirit that like God is everywhere. He's ubiquitous at every place at every time. He's omnipresent is another way to say that. And no matter who you are, no matter what's going on in your life, you can pray to God and God hears you by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. And he will be with you forever. He was with you from the day you were born. He was with you before you were born in your mother's womb. And he's going to be with you till the day you die that you can count on God by his Holy Spirit to be present with you. But the other thing that's interesting about that is the title for the Holy Spirit. My Bible calls it a counselor. Your Bible might use a different word for counselor, but it's a helper, one that comes alongside. It's a Greek word literally meaning an advocate like a lawyer, someone that would give you legal counsel, one that would come alongside you, one that would argue your case in court, one that would stand in your stead, one that shoulders the responsibility for you. That's who the Holy Spirit is for us. It's no mistake Jesus used that word of who the Holy Spirit would be. But he also tells us something interesting about the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, he's the spirit of truth. God is the God of all truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the Holy Spirit is that same truth, absolute positive truth. 
Truth is not relative. Truth is found in God's word. Truth is God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit are truth. But notice what he says in the latter part of verse 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. If you're a believer in Jesus and you talk to people sometimes, words of Scripture, and you share your testimony, it's like it goes right over their head. Or they just resist it and they don't want to hear it. It's because they can't understand the Spirit. The Bible says the man without the Spirit cannot understand spiritual things because they're spiritually discerned. That's where we need to ask God in prayer to help people understand that the Holy Spirit would get through all the sinfulness and the stuff of their life so that... They will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the leading of him convicting them of their sins and drawing them to a personal relationship with Jesus. So this gift of the Holy Spirit, we need two more scripture verses to help us explain. That's verse 26 and 27. So we looked at John 14, verse 16 and 17. Now John 14, verse 26 and 27. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you everything I have said to you. And then Jesus says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus has already said that the Holy Spirit will be a counselor, a helper. That's who he is. Jesus has already said that the Holy Spirit is in you and he is with you. That's where he is. And now what Jesus says is what he does. In verse 26, he says he will teach you all things. So from Scripture and from your life, as God wants you to, the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. And what else does he do? He's going to remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, yes, there's a few more things that Jesus says in John chapter 13. And in John chapter 16, on either side of this, John chapter 14, about who the Holy Spirit is and what he's doing. But from this passage of Scripture, that's what he tells us. And then he gives something very specific. Remember, the disciples were facing uncertainty. They didn't know what was going to happen to Jesus. They didn't know what would happen to them without Jesus. Just like we're facing uncertainty, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID 19, how long it's going to last, who it's going to affect. But what's the final thing Jesus reminds them of? In verse 27, peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. In the midst of uncertainty, what will really happen to Jesus? He knew it was coming. They didn't. In the midst of the unknown, what will life be like without Jesus? The disciples didn't know yet. And Jesus speaks these words of peace. He spoke them to his disciples almost 2,000 years ago. And he speaks them to us for the very same reason. He said to them, he says to us, keep on trusting me. That no matter the situation, no matter your anxiety, no matter your fear, keep on trusting me. That leads us to our fourth and final question on your outline. A summary, if you will. What will the Holy Spirit do for me? He's going to guide. He's going to teach. He's going to encourage. He's going to convict. Anything I need, the Holy Spirit can provide it for me. He is God in spirit. He is ever-present. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. 
And in this unprecedented time, amidst all our uncertainty, when the world is literally turned upside down upon us, when anxiety confronts us everywhere, we must remember God is still sovereign. Jesus still saves. And we can and we should. We must keep on trusting in Jesus. Maybe you need to trust him for the first time as your personal Savior and Lord. And maybe if you are a Christ follower, you need to trust him like never before. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you so much for your word. That even though it happened at a situation in time with Jesus and his disciples there in John 14, it still applies to us today. And the truths are timeless about who you are and who you have called us to be in the midst of uncertainty, anxiety, and fear. So, Father, we do pray for your protection and your provision through the duration of however long COVID-19 may last and affect us in our city, our state, our nation, and our world. But most of all, Father, we pray that you would enable us to have faith like Jesus says, that we might keep on trusting him and that we would be encouraged ourselves by our Holy Spirit, that we might encourage others. And Father, we also pray for those in our lives who do not yet know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that maybe today, maybe as a result of this very message, they would choose to commit their life to follow Jesus. God, we thank you for forgiving them of their sins and calling them to be your child. And Father, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we do pray that we'd be a witness to others, that we would meet needs of others, that we would be otherish, unselfish, sharing as we can, helping to meet the needs of others, and that you would protect us and provide for us every step of the way. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online, wherever you're at. We'll be praying for you. You let us know if there's anything we as a church can do for you. Thank you.